What do we do when it all piles up? How do we respond when life becomes more than we can handle? We see one answer from this crowd. They are weary and sick, scared and tired, and they are motivated. These people are so longing for some shred of possibility that they follow this holy teacher into the wilderness. They are officially in the middle of nowhere, which is exactly where Jesus hoped they wouldn't find him. Thousands of people, kids even there, are sitting there on the dusty ground, the dry grass. They're hoping for healing, yes. But honestly, I feel like they're probably expecting to be sent home in the dark, still tired and yet more hungry to fend for themselves. It's the default. Even the disciples assume this is how it works. But before we get there, we back up and pause and remember that Jesus is fully human. The crowd is chasing him down at a pretty terrible time. Just before this, he heard that his friend John the Baptist had been murdered. This is the one he's been connected to since before he was born. Their mothers finding solidarity in each other's company. This is the one who ushered Jesus into his own ministry, who baptized him there in the slow waters of the River Jordan. And now he's gone. And it's not just that. So often, far more comes at once than we can manage. Maybe even for this very human God, the Incarnate One. He had gone to preach and teach in his hometown of Nazareth, and my sense is that he really wanted to connect with them. He, he hoped they would truly hear. And it is a mess. It's not just that his preaching falls flat, but that they actively scorn him, trying to cut him down to size, dismissing the gift he tries to offer. Jesus is tired and worn down, and I have to believe just so sad. He takes off, retreating into the wilderness. It's all too much. He just needs to be alone. And even there, they find him. They come, and they're honest about their lives, and he sees them, and he hears them. Confronted with their pain, he is moved. It's not just that Jesus is convinced or that he registers the need intellectually and then strategically, cerebrally, decides to respond to the need in front of him. 
It's a different reaction, at least as Matthew retells it, than his response to John the Baptist's death or to his hometown rejecting him. What's before him, first of all, is, is different. It's just this mass of mundane woes, some of them sick, many of them hungry, probably all of them exhausted and just about run dry on hope. This is where the, the gut punch happens for him, knocks the wind out of him. What we hear translated as Jesus being moved with compassion is far more dramatic, more guttural in the Greek. Splanchnizomai is the word. It means to be moved in your gut, to feel that yearning deep in the pit of your body, all the way down in your core. It's the kind of movement that feels like your stomach is flip-flopping, painful and churning and clear and full of potential and love. Something happens in Jesus' very body that pulls him to respond. God is not just moved to compassion by the really horrendous tragedies or crises. There's not a competition of woes with God. There's not a comparison of grief. Jesus sees this collection of ordinary aches, the, the long-running accumulation of living under death-dealing rule. This pain spread all across the crowd, and this moves him in his gut, in his very being. It wasn't just those crowds back then who were able to track Jesus down under the hot sun, through the dust. It's now. It's always. Friends, what if we're not the disciples here? What if we're not this, this crew? They're, they're a little bit incredulous, but still joining in this kingdom work, learning how to work alongside Jesus. So often that's where we place ourselves in this story, as the ones urged to get creative and generous and compassionate, making a big meal out of nothing, which is good and necessary. But what if we're just in the crowd? When we show up in our need, Jesus is moved. God is changed and inspired. God reaches, gathers, feeds. Can we believe this? Can we go there? When our son died years ago now, I I quickly became rather experienced in the range of theological statements people make in the face of really tough situations. Especially in those early months, 
I heard it all as we all tried to make sense of what had happened. I really believe that everyone who told me that my son had died for a reason or that God needed another angel or that God does not give us more than we can handle, I really, I really believe that they were trying to communicate love and support even as they were feeling out of their depth. And when I heard lines like that, I felt hollow and alone and desperate for something else because I just could not believe them to be true. These words did not describe the God of love that I had come to know. I didn't doubt that God can bring good out of all kinds of pain. I've seen it happen. But that's different from the pain being the design. The, the prospect of senseless loss often feels so untenable, though. We want to find some kind of meaning or order. We want suffering to be straightforward enough that we can see the way through from where we stand now. But that's not usually how it works. When I was still early in that wilderness, I sat with a friend who did not try to fix it or explain it. She just sat with me. After a time, she quietly suggested that while there was no reason for Fritz's death, she believed that God was weeping also, that God grieved this young death alongside me, that at this most basic level, God was moved. This idea shook me in the most life-giving way possible. It was not an answer, but it was compassion. My friend showed me how God was joining me where I was. These were the words of Jesus feeling the gut punch and then responding with love. When we have come a great distance looking for healing, when we are sitting there in the dust and our pain and sorrow and longing are so present, God's response is not to quiet us by telling us that this is really not more than we can handle. God's response is to be viscerally moved, inspired to compassion. Friends, I know some of the ways that you are hurting, some of the places we all are struggling right now. And I know there is so, so much more. Monumental challenges and, and also the seemingly smaller, endless pain that mounts. You are carrying incredible weights these days. So what if we entered into our grief and our fear and our frustration and our bone tiredness with the trust that 
God not only sees it, but that right in the pit of God's body, God is moved by this suffering. What would happen if we trusted that when life gets really hard for us, it's a gut punch for God too? That deep-seated wrenching, the, the kind that leaves one breathless, even for this great I am who is breath itself. It may not make the pain go away. It may not solve the dilemma. But I wonder. I wonder what might shift for you if when you bring your suffering to God, you can hear that this moves God. Life happens. Regardless of the design or the plan, we, we end up with more than we can handle sometimes. And this is my witness today. What has seen me through the worst is the simple truth that God weeps with us, that God sees our pain and is moved with compassion. It fixes nothing, and it is beautiful, and it is solace, and it is enough. <laughs>